What's up, gentlemen? Before we begin, a friendly reminder that this podcast is not associated with any church, school, or calling body, and nothing we say here is meant to be perceived as the official doctrine, teaching, or theology of any church, school, or calling body. We're a bunch of dudes who love Jesus. We love talking about Jesus, and this is where we air out our thoughts, so don't take it as much more than that. I hope that this is edifying for you. Let's get started with the show. Gentlemen, welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungamak, and this is the place where young men learn to be the men that God created them to be. Really glad that you're with us, fellas. If you're newbies, this is, might be the first interview you ever hear. If you've been here for a while or even the whole time, man, this is a familiar guest. His name is Jeremiah Wallander. Now, Jeremiah is about as much of a little brother to me as I have in this world, although that number is growing as uh, the number of you guys continues to grow. But Jeremiah... I've known him since he was a punk kid in like 7th grade or 5th grade or something like that. I don't even know. I uh, was blessed to know his family and his brothers and even his parents very well um, when I was in high school. And uh, they've proven to be a tremendous blessing to me. And I'm really glad to share Jeremiah with you guys. Um, he's a wonderful dude and uh, I've really enjoyed watching him grow. We're even going to talk about that a little bit in the podcast today. Uh, but Jeremiah is training to be a pastor in Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. He is about to leave this month for his vicar call, which means it's his um, second to last step in the training to be a pastor process. So uh, we'll send up lots of prayers for him. Um, and uh, man, blessings on the journey. But today with Jeremiah, we're going to talk about all kinds of things. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the seminary process, a little bit about his photography business, but mostly we're going to talk about humility, knowing your worth. Um, and what it means to be a man after God's own heart. So I hope you enjoy this podcast, fellas. This one is sponsored by Brigadier General Beard Oils and Supplements. Nate Hensler makes great beard oil. He's also an incredibly handsome man with a great product. So go click the link below and order beard oil for yourself at sites.google.com forward slash General. I got to see Nate recently out in Milwaukee. What a wonderful dude. That conversation left me absolutely on fire for Jesus. Uh, so God's blessings, Nate, on your business, on your baby, um, and then all the exciting things happening in your life. Go buy some beard oil from this dude. He's a wonderful guy. If you have not been on the Gird Up website yet, make sure you do so. On that website, you can support the podcast by buying shirts and things like that. So we got awesome shirts, awesome stickers, all the good stuff there. You can support us on Patreon, or you can make a $5 cup of coffee donation on that website as well. Shout out to Mr. Kufal, who made an awesome donation um, recently. <laughs> it was a more than a $5 cup of coffee. We'll put it that way. Thank you, brother. Um, you are you are good to me, um, and the Lord is good to me. He continues to provide. Thank you to anyone who has been supporting the podcast, either with prayers or with donations. Um, we're going to keep making this thing grow. Keep your eyes peeled for a collegiate men's retreat we're planning for this fall. Don't have the dates figured out quite yet, but we will soon. Um, the attendance for that will be capped, so um, be careful. Make sure you're watching for those uh, invitations when they come out, and make sure you sign up early and quickly so that you have your seat if you want it. I don't think I have anything else to say, fellas. God bless you all. Let's say a prayer and get started with the show. Heavenly Father, pray that the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts may reflect your will for our lives. We pray that anything Jeremiah and I say today might glorify your name, that we might speak the truth in love, and that we might be edifying to those who listen to us and follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's get started with the show today with our guest, Jeremiah Wallander. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. All right, Jeremiah. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks, Charlie. Dude, it's been a while. 
It has been. It's been. It has been. I was too. I was uh, looking. So when I was getting ready this morning and like getting everything set up, I was legitimately thinking to myself, like, the only way this morning could get better is if we were like actually sitting in the same room together. Like, I'm just oh, so right. excited about this. <laughs> I'm pumped to have you on, man. Oh, thank you. I love. Thanks for having me on. I think this is the third time. Yes, sir. Yes, cool. sir. But uh, the first interview was so long that you got credit for like six episodes. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great problem to have. Yeah. A great problem to have. Okay, so um, if you haven't met Jeremiah before, obviously I give you a little intro already, but uh, Jeremiah, why don't you give us a little update on what's going on in life? Yeah, so my name's Jeremiah Wallander. I'm from the Appleton, Wisconsin area, studying to become a pastor at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. And I think the biggest update of my life was this past May, I received my vicar call to Hope Lutheran Church in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So that's probably the biggest thing I have going on right now is just getting ready to move out of the country and doing a lot of paperwork and planning stuff out like that. Um, my wife and I recently just moved out of Luther Prep where she had been living for three years and then I had been living for two years since we've gotten married. And so now it's just moving from one big adventure on to the next one. Awesome. So Hope Toronto, that's where Pastor Henrich is, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, Mark oh, Henrich. Oh, man, what an awesome dude. And, I know. Oh, <laughs> Wait, you, oh. you did you know him? Uh, I played football with his son. Oh, and then man. when I first got to Milwaukee, he was still in Milwaukee for the first year or two that I was there. And his, his uh, wife, who – so, well, so, yeah, anyway. So he, but his wife is uh, um, a, the sister of Nate Scharf's wife. That's right, yeah. Sisters. And they're like my second cousins once removed or something like that. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> and I used to live with Quentin Peterson. We used to be roomies. He's the band director at Wisco. They've got a big steel band set up. And they do they go up to the steel band festival up in uh, up in Toronto every year. And they stay at peace. So yeah, oh, probably man. not this year. You'll probably won't be there up, up there yet this year. But if you are, make sure you say hi to Quentin for me. Gosh, that is you know awesome. Quentin, right? Holy I, I I've met him brief, briefly because yeah, like, uh, I was I was out of Vanguard and then he came in I think after yeah, I was out yeah and then yeah. when we were all in high school he was well I guess he's probably older enough that uh, but when I was in high school he was the guy who, who like ran everything at at WLC as far as guests go and all that kind of stuff and he said this comically vo- low voice we just made fun of him all the time and then five years later I'm living with him <laughs> it's funny how the world works it's awesome yeah. Cool. So um, talk to us a little bit about the process of that you've gone through so far to get to the point where you're going off on your vicar year. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's been a, it's been a long process and now Charlie, you're doing part of it too. So it's, I mean, I think you understand there's kind of a, a rigor to becoming a pastor, especially with, you know, you do, so it's eight full years of school. The first four years I did at Martin Luther college from 2015 to 2019, where I got my gen eds as well as studying Greek and Hebrew and Latin and then even um, studied some public speaking as well with advanced Christian rhetoric. And then finally, after I got my degree at Martin Luther College for four years, then moved on to Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary in Mequon, Wisconsin, and I love it there. Uh, It's, in all honesty, my favorite school I've ever gone to in my life. I love the brotherhood that's there, and that's another four years but the third year there is your internship year or what's called your vicar year. So then they send you off and match you up with a pastor uh, who's going to overlook you and oversee you and teach you and help you and show you what it's like for the day-to-day life as a pastor. And that can, honestly, it seems like it can be anywhere in the world. So I have friends who got sent off to Columbia. I have friends who got sent to Arizona and Florida. And then, yeah, I'm going to Canada. So so it's, I'm in my sixth year right now on the pastor track, or I should say uh, just finished up my sixth year, going into my seventh year of the pastor track. And then after this year, then I will come back and be in Mequon. And then for that, it'll be just one more year. And then after that, I will, God willing, receive a divine call to be a full-time pastor. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, 
I, I, my only, uh, the only difference is I, I get to do it all part-time. So I never have to be a full-time pastoral (laughs) student, but otherwise, yeah, Yeah. it's the same, same stuff going on. Well, and so I actually had to drop out of Hebrew last year, especially when we went online, because it was just too much to try and do the two languages at once. So if, uh, if anybody has respect for the rigor of the, of the process, man, after one year, I've definitely got it. I've definitely got oh, okay, it. Okay, yeah. But um, you talk about the the uh, brotherhood at the seminary. I'm already pumped about the brotherhood at MLC, which is something completely different than I experienced the first time around. And I don't know if it's just because I'm more mature and maybe I don't want this to sound arrogant, but I think I'm probably attracting a different crowd around myself than I was the first time around. Not that those were bad dudes or anything. Like I, some of those guys are still my best friends in the world, um, but. I think I'm attracting more of a like on fire for Jesus crew to myself. And maybe that's part of it. But I genuinely think that uh, like the pastor track side of things and maybe even this particular generation of MLC kids um, is just a little bit different breed than we were back in the day. And I don't know if that's because the culture has shifted so much like the culture was polarized at the time, but not like it is now. And uh, I think. I think there's still there's still just your lukewarm college kids, and that that is what it is everywhere you go, no matter where you go, right? And the luke quote unquote lukewarm kids at MLC are would be absolutely on fire for Jesus compared to pretty much any other campus in the world. I recognize that, but as far as like getting ready for ministry and being just like on fire for Jesus, you know, like like we talk about the, uh, I just feel like this particular group, or at least the guys that I have around me, are already just chomping at the bit and on fire and they're like starting their own ministries and uh doing blogs and and starting nonprofits, all that kind of stuff i'm like man i wasn't doing any of this in college (laughs) and uh so i'm already i'm already super excited about it and i love it um but moving forward i'm I'm really really looking forward to the seminary for all kinds of different reasons i'm I'm pumped yeah yeah, it's it, it is amazing. Like one of one of my favorite places in the world by far. I was at another one of your favorite places in the world uh last week. You got to go visit Camp Phillip for a day or two. Oh, you were. Blast. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, dude. Nice. When wait, when were you there? Um, let's see. Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday of last week. Of two weeks. Okay. Ago. I don't even know anymore. Oh. <laughs> no, okay, yeah. Fourth. Yeah, I've been going. I've been going back once a week, and I give devotion oh, there dude, once I a must week. I just and barely missed you. I know that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think you just barely missed me. All right. Well, hey, man. Ah, dude, I just I'm I'm pumped about everything right now. Pumped about you going to. Uh, I'm nerding out. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, I'm pumped about you doing your Vicar stuff. I'm pumped about Camp Philip. Just having been there a little bit, and just the more I spend time at Camp Philip, um, the more this is a weird thing to say, maybe, but the more I recognize that, uh, it oh boy, how do I say this? It actually isn't that special. The thing that makes it so special is that everybody has agreed, basically, to do their absolute best all the time to live out the mandates in Scripture. That's the only difference. Yes. And that, yes. that yeah. uh, like, so as far as the facilities, as far as even like the programming and things like that it's just one more awesome place for kids. But the thing that really levels it up compared to other places that makes it feel different is that attitude. Like the kids are the same. Uh, the, the college kids who are running all the stuff are the same. Like they're just college kids. And the difference between a place like Camp Phillip, because there's all kinds of places with a culture like that. The differences between a place like Camp Phillip and other places is that everybody involved has said, yep, this is how I'm willing to do life. I know how I'm supposed to do it. And at least while I'm here, I'm going to do everything possible to live up to those expectations. And it makes all the difference in the world, man. Right, right. I think, you know, there's just, there's something about that culture at Camp Phillip. And of course, I did salt staff there for six years. I still go back and and help uh once a week nowadays and i i love it there because you know it's not even like the people have changed so much you know over the years like even some of my best friends you know stood up in my wedding you know were from when i was on salt staff years and years ago but like everyone has changed and there's been so much turnover but it's still like the feeling there is the same because of the culture 
of how people treat each other and how people treat the kids and how people just want to serve. And I think one of the big things about the culture at camp too is I talk about this with another one of my best friends, Matthew Bound, all the time is just, um, how would I say this politely? It's like bringing up God organically, you know, and not not necessarily being corny about it, not forcing the issue, but it's kind of like, you know, and there's there's some argument of whether Martin Luther actually said this or not. I have no idea if he if he actually said it or not, or if he wrote it or if someone filled it in. But there's a there's a saying where it's like the Christian shoemaker doesn't do his duty by putting crosses on shoes. The Christian shoemaker does his duty by making good shoes. Yeah. And I think there's just something about that where it's like, you know, there's it's not so forceful and in your face that it becomes corny, but it's the the way God and scripture is brought up is just so organic for kids as well as for staff and everyone else there that I think it's just, it's really special that way. And it makes, it makes, it makes that culture more inviting and safe. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you're actually making me think about, so first of all, um, just for people listening, I know we, we've been talking about Camp Phillip a lot on the podcast, but that's because um, Camp Phillip is the kind of place and the kind of uh, atmosphere that we're trying to actively create everywhere that Jesus's name is spoken. Right. And so right. when you find a microcosm of that, you got to dig into it, dive into it and, and figure out what's going on so you can continue to build that in other places. And while you're talking, I'm actually, you started making me think about Vanguard a bunch too, because especially at when it's at its best, um, like Vanguard can be, so this is Lutheran Vanguard of Wisconsin for anybody that's not familiar. It's a summer marching band. that's all about bringing uh, the message of the gospel to people who wouldn't normally hear it. And the way that they do that is they just, they're, pardon my French, they do some kick-ass street marching routines uh, while they play their instruments. And as they walk down a parade route, the adults get to talk about Jesus. That's just, that's how we roll. So you have people who wouldn't normally um, be, have an opportunity to hear uh, particularly the Lutheran message of the gospel, um, who, because we do something with excellence, suddenly are interested in who we are and what we're about, right? And so then as a high school kid at the age of like 13, 14 years old until you're 18, 19 years old, every summer you get to spend two months where literally every moment of the day from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. And even like while you're sleeping, because you're resting up so you can go rehearse more. Every moment of your day is completely like the, the purpose of it is to bring the gospel to people who've never had the gospel before and to let like literally let your light shine before all men. Mm-hmm. And um, say, and again, the, like Camp Phillip and Vanguard aren't the only two places in the world where that happens. But those are the ones we're familiar with. Right. And now we want to go out right. and create more of them. And so the question is, how do you build a culture like that? Um, like at a church or, you know, at a high school where you've got kids every day, all year round. Right. And you don't have kids coming in for a week or two. How do you do with that in your, in your family where you've got, you know, five or well, hope maybe you got, you know, five or six people in a household or more, even sometimes, um, how do you create that culture amongst yourselves as everybody's going through that teenage angst and all that, you know, we're all getting sick of each other. You know, how do you build that culture at your workplace? How do you build that culture out in the world? Um, when we haven't all come together necessarily and made this commitment, maybe we should get together and make these commitments. Yeah, but <laughs> right. I don't know. And that makes so the, your uh, your Martin Luther quote there, uh, the idea that the the Christian shoemaker doesn't put crosses on shoes; he just makes great shoes. Like I think, um, especially for young people, there's a dichotomy of either I go follow Jesus or I go get a real job or something like that. Especially in our in our circles here, um, in a, in a tight knit synod like ours, where it's a smaller synod, everybody kind of knows each other. And there is sometimes an attitude of, you know, either I go be a pastor or a teacher and follow Jesus, or I go do my own thing. And Jesus is a part of my life, you know, and, uh, some of the best men and strongest men of faith I know have never stood in a pulpit or a classroom in their adult lives. And they, just daily. And I don't want to say routinely, but that is really what it is. Um, walk with the Lord. Like it is, it is mm-hmm. who they are and what they, like your dad's a great example of that, right? Oh yes. Oh yes. 
where, you know, he'd, he'd be wildly uncomfortable preaching. And, uh, but, you know, like just humbly walking with the Lord every single day and look at the results. Like, look at his three sons, look at their families, look at the number of people that they've had in and out of their home over the years. You know, look at the impact he's had on the people he works with. It's incredible to see. And it's, it's not him. It's the gospel working through him because he was humble enough to just say, nope, I'm going to follow where you lead, and I'm not going to worry about anything else. That's right. That is absolutely right. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, I think I think it's just, you know, there's and, – and so many kids when, you, you know, when you're talking about that teenage angst, and I think there is something to like, – like when kids start taking their faith really seriously, there's that – I, I I call it the TikTok Christians where, you know, they feel like everything that they have to do has to be like, like outwardly and blatantly like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Do you get what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like, ever, like, like I need to, I need to wear all the wristbands and all the, all the shirts and I need to have these tattoos because the tattoos are cool. And now don't get me wrong. I have tattoos too, but it's like, like, it's like they, they think that this is the picture and that what they need to do has to be constantly always talking about Jesus, which frankly, there isn't anything wrong with that necessarily. But for a lot of kids, that's like that. I'm trying to put this into the right words. But like, it doesn't have to be that way, you know, where they think that there's this cookie cutter millennial Gen Z Christian that they need to look like because that's what they see on social media of what strong Christians look like. When really, I think what we need to do is teach our youth and teach not only our youth, but other people that being a strong Christian doesn't mean you constantly have to be talking about Jesus all the time, Jesus, 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 but just loving people and caring about people and doing that out of motivation for, for God and out of thankfulness for what he has done for you, because God is love. And when you show that love to other people and you show it with excellence, it doesn't always have to be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It can be, I care about you. And so does Jesus. Right. And I think, in fact, Jesus cares about you more than I do. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it gives a lot of kids an identity crisis, too, when they can't be that, right? Because they're so worried about right. being something that they maybe aren't, or they're so worried about their image, and they're so worried. Like, they're putting pressure back on themselves again. They're essentially becoming Calvinists. Like, if I don't walk the walk perfectly every single day, if people don't see me as a loudspeaker screaming about Jesus, then I must not be a real Christian, right? And that, right. that's, oh, that's tainted man. with Calvinism is what it is. This idea that I'm my sanctification or my salvation depends on my sanctification. Right. And uh, mm -hmm. what, what we ought to be doing, what we should be doing is just saying, okay, Lord, I love you. I, I have faith now. <laughs> I want to follow you. So here is all of me. Do what you will with it. Right. And, and, mm -hmm. and that, it just takes it's it's not about me anymore at all and that's the other thing that right. I, I love talking about with young people especially is this idea that um you have interests like you have passions you have desires and when the bible says like kill your passions and desires it's talking about the sinful flesh so it's talking about the passions mm -hmm. of the flesh it's talking about you going out and like if 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 your body did what it wanted to do as a young man you would go out and sleep with every attractive woman you ever saw. That's what your body wants to do because your sexuality has been tainted by sin, right? If, if you did mm -hmm. what your body wanted you to do, you would eat pizza and hamburgers every single meal, every single day, because your appetite has been corrupted by sin. And is, so those are the passions that the Bible's talking about when it kills your passions and desires, right? What it's not mm -hmm. talking about is your makeup as a human being. Like if you think about yourself as a video game character, you, know, you go to the you go to the screen before the video game starts and you build your character. That's what Jesus is that's what your creator has done for you. Right? And those things are not bad. They may have been corrupted. They have been corrupted by sin, but those things are not bad. In fact, 
He has specifically designed you for your place and time for what you're here. He's given you, he says, I've prepared good works in advance for you to do. He's got things ready for you to do. And all you have to do mm-hmm. is take yourself and be completely yielded for him. And those, they might not always like perfectly make sense, but it's going to start to make a whole lot more sense. You know why I love people so much and why I so very much want to talk to people, why I, you know, like why I have this mind for gears and mechanics and things like that is because I can be a light shining in my, in my repair shop, you know, like, this is why mm-hmm. I love children so much so that I can be a stay at home mom or even a stay at home dad who just pours out his life into his kids, you know, and, and those things start to make a whole lot more sense even than they did when they were corrupted. You know, like when I was out partying and being the life of the party all the time, getting all kinds of attention. Well, that's, that's like a, that's like, so on the six flag scale, you know, like six flags is the most fun. That's like two flags of fun, right? And right. Then, but if you if you're like leading a community group for your church or if you're you know, if, if you're the uh, like a team leader at your job, that's like five or six flags of fun. And then like when you take up a leadership role in your community and your church and now every eye is fixed on you and you've got responsibility before your community and before God, that's six flags of fun right there. You know, and so mm-hmm. these desires once you die to self and they're no longer selfish desires and you're just offering them to Jesus and saying, use them how you will. It's like, it's going to make life so much more fulfilling because you're no longer completely focused on me. You're just loving. Right. Oh man. That's, that's so true. Especially, you know, and, and how we were talking before with these, with these kids too, it's like, there's that, that, um, Christian narcissism oh, to yeah. it. I like you that know what term. I'm saying, and that's and that's just what it that's just what it is. Is it's it's so often they're seeing, and again, you know, it's, I'm just trying to trying to be as polite as I can about it. But they see so often these Christians, but these Christians are they're they're narcissists who are behind the the mask of Christianity. Now that can be an easy trap to fall into. And plenty of people have fallen into it. I'm sure I have fallen into it multiple times. And like, it can be easy too. But at the same time, it's just putting putting off yourself, you know, thinking of what, what John the Baptist said when he says, he must become greater and I must become less. But we still talk about John the Baptist to this day and how amazing he was of a prophet, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's just... Just, just putting putting aside that that Christian narcissism and just being a Christian, and how much more fulfilling it is when it's not about you, but it's about Jesus. Well, the other interesting thing about social media and like, um, so you and I are both in. You're far more into fitness than I am. I'm more into being strong. No, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, so we're both. I, and I would I would guess that your social media feed is just about as full as fitness stuff as mine is. And uh Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of just yeah, bros. And, bro, and, and I would say probably half of the bros I follow either declare themselves to be Christian or have like a Bible verse in, in their description or whatever it is. And um right. you don't know the condition of their hearts, right? And some of those dudes, like like you said, a, a lot of them are behind a mask of Christianity. Um, where like they kind of put that out there because they like what it feels like to say that they are. Um, and that's a dangerous mm-hmm. trap to fall into, like you said. But there are other dudes who, again, are just on fire for Jesus and they're genuinely being themselves and they're just badasses. Like they're awesome. They're just amazing dudes and mm-hmm. amazing bros. But you're not them, <laughs> you know? Like, right, right. Yeah, IFBB that's not what God created you to I'm be. I'm never yeah. going to be an IFBB bodybuilder who's meeting Donald Trump and has a bajillion tattoos that are all somehow cool. Like, not a single one of them's a dud, you know, like, and, and have perfect hair and have a hot wife and somehow have handsome three year old children. Like, most three year olds are just a little bit ugly, but kind of cute. And somehow <laughs> they've got like supermodel kids. Like, that's never going to be me. So, if I keep trying to be that, like all I'm going to do is send myself spiraling again into this crisis where I doubt that I even have faith because I don't look like this dude I see on Instagram, you know, like 
I, you right. know, I, I don't need a per- the right chain and a six pack abs in order to, to be a witness. And he happens right. to have a dope gold chain and six pack abs and an awesome family and also love Jesus. And that's his thing. And God's created me for something very specific. And he tried to be me. He would miserably fail at it and vice versa. If I try and be him, I'm going to miserably fail at that too. And that doesn't even have to be like um, Instagram models and things like that. That could just be like within your church or within your community group or whatever you're working on. Like um, that, that's a, that's been a big thing for me is there's a couple of men in my life who both on both sides of the spectrum where it's like, yeah, I want to be like him. And I try so hard to be him. And then I realize like, I don't actually want to be him. I just want to have like the influence he has or be able to talk about Jesus the way that he does, or just like have a family that is as loving and, and kind as his is or whatever. Like, I don't actually want to be him. And on the flip side, there's a whole lot of men who, especially in my younger days, I was like, I never want to be like him. And then later on, I'm like, you know what? I've been trying so hard not to be like him that I haven't been listening to my heavenly father as he calls me into these different phases of life. And I've been fighting so hard because I have an image of what I don't want to be. And I've been clinging to that image instead of just giving it to Jesus and saying, okay, I'll do what you asked me to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this conversation, what you're saying kind of, I think now this brings me back to earlier when you were talking about like this pastor track and how it's, how this time around at MLC is different for you than what it was the first oh, yeah. time. Right. So, so I think where a lot of this comes from is kind of the attitude that's gone into the pastor track. Now, what's interesting, and you'll see how this all ties together with what we're talking about, is we talk about going on social media and you look at something and you look at this guy and you're like, man, I could never be like him. And that's true. You can't. But I still remember, I think it was my, yeah, it was my sophomore year at MLC. Um, Paul Spouty was the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary a recruitment a guy devil. and yeah, yeah. He's, he's, and his little brother ended up becoming my roommate too. And I, Oh man, like I just love the spouties. I love the spouties. But one of the things I always remember was when he came for the recruitment meeting and he was talking to all us pastor trap guys. And he just said, we're done with the cookie cutter pastor. We don't have time for it anymore. <laughs> like that's out the window. And that just always like stuck with me is how, like there may be guys who would be amazing pastors, but who it's like, it's like what you say when you go on social media, they see what a pastor is like a Wells pastor. And they say, I could never do that. I could never be like that. I can't. And it's like, no, you can't, you're not going to be like that. But then they think that that means they're disqualified from becoming pastors, which is not true. Because there's no room for the cookie cutter pastor anymore. Now, like it's it's about being yourself as a pastor, not being someone else who you think a pastor needs to look like. Yo, you're speaking to my heart right now, man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, dude. Oh, man. Okay, so on a, a little bit of a tangent here on the topic of like dudes that are just on fire for stuff. I have always admired um, you and a couple other people um, who like, I, I, they just happen to run in the same circles. A lot of them as the two of us, but there are dudes around me all the time and girls too, actually, who just seem to be able to go out there and create things. Right. So you've um, become very successful as a uh, photographer and doing a couple of other things as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You're a, you're a, you're a killer in the pulpit, man. And uh, in all the right ways, oh, thank in you. all the right ways, or 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 the street, or wherever you happen to be talking, you're just a killer. Um, and and thank praise you. be to God for that, because I knew you when you were 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yep. 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 <laughs> all love, man. All love. Okay. So anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I cringe even when I think of I cringe when I think of that type of stuff. But it's so true, you know. It's like like if you wanna if you wanna talk about you wanna see. Like I, I will tell people like I, I was the most immature, dumb, 
and annoying per you know and not that i've not that i've completely changed but i've changed a lot so i appreciate you telling my success story. <laughs> okay i think so te- anybody who's ever been a teacher will or, or worked with kids i think will understand what i say here when i say um jeremiah was one of those kids where you're like oh my gosh i this kid ah oh, he just is driving me nuts bring him back in here i want to see him again <laughs> you know, like, Oh, yeah. I love being around him so much. I yeah. hate him. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, he's yep, killing me. Yep, Bring him back in here because I love having him around. But anyway, so um, yeah. you've been very successful as a photographer. You've been able to, to to do all kinds of cool things that, frankly, most people never realize in their lives. They never actually go out and do those things that they've got written on their hearts, if you will. Um, and I I've been doing a better job of it lately. But it takes so much courage in order to step out like that. Um, and it seems natural, maybe, for some people more than others. Um, but you want to just talk to that a little bit? Like, um, I don't know if you want to talk specifically. About, I know I didn't prep you very well for this, but I don't know if you want to talk specifically about oh, that's all right. <laughs> um, being a photographer or just, like, taking risks. I don't even know what I'm asking. I just want to be more like that, um, which I guess is kind of funny com- thinking about our last conversation, but I want to be more like that where I can just do things. Um, where does that come from? What's going on? Uh, I think, well, I've just always, I've always, I, I think I always have been very driven about things that I care about. Right. Is, is, um, I think I've had, a in the past, you know, growing up that 14 year old self, it was like, I was, a okay, this might be a little long, but so we go back to, you know, us laughing about me as a 13, 14 year old, but like back then it was very much like I was so good at the things I cared about and I was so bad at anything I did not care about. I didn't have, I, I had drive for like, I had drive for, um, video games and riding my bike and basketball, volleyball, football, soccer, all the sports I played. Um, and drumming and I had drive for that but I I did not care about math or science I loved history so I had drive for you know what I mean it was just one of those things where when I was a kid and I'm sure a lot of people it's not like this is just a Jeremiah thing but I'm sure a lot of people thought this way is that I, I I was so driven towards the things I cared about but then like just put off and did not care about any of those other things that I didn't care about and didn't even give them the time of day. I think now I've come to the point where I force myself to have drive about things I do not care about. Now, I'll use MLC for an example. I was like really good at Hebrew. Hebrew was the, Hebrew was the language I excelled at. Greek, I was whatever. I was a B student. I was, you know, I was fine. But it wasn't, I tried to force myself that it's not about the grade. You don't want to try hard at this for the grade. You want to try hard at this so that you can serve other people better. Now, was I always successful with that? No. But when you force yourself to, to serve people and to care about people, and when that's your focus and that's your drive and that's your motivation, then that helps me also become more creative. So now I become a photographer and that's what I do to pay for school. Now, in all honesty, I don't want to be just a photographer for the rest of my life. I want to be a pastor way more than I want to be a photographer. In fact, I've, I've preached for two weddings this summer and both times I was just like, you know what? Like I being a, being a pastor for a wedding is so much more fun than being a photographer. <laughs> but like, when you just force yourself to care about the things that you normally don't care about, but you know that someone else cares about that. When you know that that matters to someone else, when you know that that is something that is important to someone else, that's where my drive comes from is I may not care about that, but my wife cares about that. I may not care about that, but my brothers care about that. I may not care about that, but my friends, my parents, even even my acquaintances, they care about that. And if I'm so passionate about what drives me, why should I just dismiss what other people are so passionate about too? And if they're so passionate about that, 
why can't I just help build them up by being passionate about that, even if I have to fake it till I make it? So then going into photography, um, there are certain things like I love doing couple shoots, but I can also do family shoots too. Now, are family shoots my favorite? No, not really. But I still like doing it because I know that the family cares about this and that this is something that they want and they are going to cherish and they're going to hang up in their house. So if they care about this, then I'm going to freaking care about this. And I think once you, once you force yourself to care about things that other people care about, then more motivation comes, then more drive comes and maybe some burnout <laughs> comes too. But I don't know. That's, I, and I'm not even sure if I fully answered your question, but like, that's just, that's just where it comes from is caring about the things that other people well, and, care and, about. And what I hear is you saying exactly what we were saying earlier is when you were an annoying 13, 14, 15 year old kid, you were just insanely enthusiastic all the time to the point where it drove other people nuts. Right. And, um, and, and right, I can relate yeah. to that for sure. <laughs> um, but what I hear you saying now is that those drives and that passion has now been, uh, I don't know, refined maybe is the word, with a healthy dose of humility is what I hear you saying. And you're too humble to say it about yourself, I think. But that's what I'm hearing is uh, it's refined with a dose of humility. And now that same drive and passion serves other people. And that, what an incredible mm -hmm. gift and what a cool picture of, 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 I guess, growing in, I, cause this, this true humility doesn't come without Christ. Right. And, and there are people in the world who look humble, right. but they look humble for their own sake, if you will. Um, and, and what you're talking right. about, there's a little bit of that in there, just from a practical, practical perspective, you need to pay for school. <laughs> Right. You don't want to have to work a, mm -hmm. a full time job or a part time job in order to pay for school. You'd much rather take pictures. And there's a little bit of it's not right. selfishness. It's just, I don't know what the word is. You know, there's a little bit of prudence there. But mostly the reason you're able to pay for school doing this is that you are selflessly um, providing a service to other people. And that that I mean, that goes right back to everything we've talked about so far. You know, you're the shoemaker who's just making great shoes. You're the photographer takes great pictures. Um, and in the meantime, your demeanor and your attitude and your work ethic all sings praises to Jesus. And then anybody who falls in love with you because of the way you do your business, then also gets to see you um, living it out every day. And then probably will actually come in contact with you talking about Jesus and it all just comes around full circle. And then these are also skills. Like as a pastor, it's not like you're never going to pick up a camera again. Like what a blessing that's going to be to have that right. skill set when you are, um, when you do have a, a pastoral office somewhere. I've got a, I've got right. another question for you. This is something I've been struggling with a little bit recently is um, as a photographer, how do you determine your rates and things like that. I know it's a little bit more, I don't know if it's personal or business or what, but the, so one of the things that I struggle with is especially doing, doing what I do on the side. Um, I always struggle with like, this is something I genuinely want to, this is a service I want to provide to people. And this is not even necessarily the podcast, just with what I'm doing. I genuinely love people and want to provide a service to them. Um, and that makes it difficult then mm -hmm. for me to ask them to pay me. <laughs> How do you right. That? No, I get that. I get that. <clears throat> um, yeah, man, that's tough. Okay. So I think, so how have I determined my rates? Well, I've, I have met plenty of photographers. I follow so many of them on my business Instagram page and stuff like that. And I see the prices they charge, I see the stuff they do. And I do sometimes wonder if I'm like, maybe you need that. Or is that just greedy? Or are your photos just that good? I don't know. And I'm not going to judge someone's heart. But where my rates come from is what do I need to live? What do I need to pay for school? And what do I what do I need to just in, enjoy the lifestyle I have as much as I can without being greedy with it? 
And I, that's kind of how I've determined my rates. And in all honesty, I, I try to be as generous as I can too, because I know that Christ would want me to be generous. So I give seminarians uh, a discount on prices. I um, give friends discounts on prices too. And oftentimes my friends just end up paying me full price because <laughs> they love me and they're my friends too. And so it's, it's more so, it's one of those things where I see what other people are charging and then I'm like, okay, is that realistic to what I need without being greedy? Now, there have been times where I think like I have definitely tried to check myself to make sure that like, am I charging this much because I like, because it's fair or because it's greedy? And every single time I, I pray about it and I think about it, I'm like, okay, this is fair. I'm doing because it is, you know, there's a lot of stuff I have to pay for the gas to get to the shoot, the um, subscription services I have to use online um, to deliver photos. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I do need to be paying for equipment and stuff like that. And m most of the time people understand, understand that too. So I think my rates just come from what is the market charging? And then can I charge that much without being greedy? Or what can I charge to survive the way I'm surviving and not scraping by, but just living fine, decently comfortable as much as I can without yeah, no, being that's greedy. That's an awesome answer. Because you hear people say things like, you know, know your worth and ask for it. And that genuinely is the right attitude as long as, like you said, you're not being greedy. But it's so hard to determine that. And I think it's a good thing mm -hmm. that our consciences are consistently asking that question is what, what am I worth? You know? Um, and it's also frankly a wonderful thing to be able to have that question on your mind and say, well, ultimately <laughs> my worth is completely found in Christ. Right. And when we throw that around, we throw that right, around yeah, right. know, almost in silliness in this context, but that is the truth. And then you say, you know, like, I, I actually, I, I really like what you said there is, is what do I like? I just, <laughs> this is what I need. This is what I'm doing. Um, and, and let's, let's make it happen here. I, I, um, what did I, I don't remember where I heard this recently. I must've been on a podcast somewhere. Um, but they were talking about the idea of charity and, and giving. So whether it's giving to church or giving to charity or whatever it is, um, Oh no, it was C.S. Lewis. It was C.S. Lewis was talking about, um, Nowadays, charity is pretty much just like alms is what historically would have been called alms. So when you talk oh, yeah. about, oh, I give to charity or, you know, he provided a charity to me, really just like giving aid to the poor or whatever. But it, in, in historically, charity would be right. um, literally giving to a point of being uncomfortable. So when you're talking about like um, he treated me with charity, like he was so like not compliant, but he, he was so worried about my needs and about serving me that it was actually making him uncomfortable. And C.S. Lewis then talked about the idea that if you aren't just a little bit uncomfortable with the amount that you're, you're like, if you look around the world and look at your, the, the, look at your means and then look at the way you're living. And if it's perfectly comparable to an ungodly person who's making the same amount as you, or who's providing the same service, you know, so like in your case, it would be a photographer. In my case, it would be you know, like a podcaster and somebody who's doing the kind of work that I'm doing. Um, if, if you aren't at least a little bit less comfortable or, or maybe a little bit harder up than someone who is ungodly, who gets paid the same amount or is providing the same amount of work, then and he doesn't say you must give more. He says, let that be a challenge to your heart. And think about that of, am I really being generous? Am I really being charitable? Because uh, the Bible does command us to have charity, right? To be charitable. And I like that idea mm -hmm. too. And it's a little different mm -hmm. when you're self-employed because then it comes from another, the other perspective of, well, it's not so much me giving away as money as it is me. It's my service, you know? Um, but I hear that in what you're saying too, this idea of, like, what, what do I need to be comfortable? Um, but I'm not even necessarily trying to like spring forward <laughs> in, in this. And maybe the Lord provides that and blesses that. And that's on him. That's, but I'm not going to necessarily pursue that. I'm going to pursue what I need for life. Um, 
And that includes, you know, a comparable lifestyle um, to what's happening in the world. Like you don't want to be unfair to yourself either. Um, yeah. I don't, it's just right. an interesting thing right. that I've, it's been on my mind and my heart a little bit lately as we like, cause we're, we're starting to plan retreats and things like that. And uh, you know, that question of knowing your worth comes into it. And, and even to the point of like, as I plan retreats and things, it's this idea of, do I pay somebody else to come talk? Or does one of the bros talk? Do I talk? You know, like, what is the worth? Like, if one of the bros talks, do you charge as much as if you bring somebody in and pay them to talk? Or do you pay a bro as much as you pay a pastor? You know, all that kind of stuff, you know? Right, and right. It's an interesting thing that I, I just don't hear people talking about it. So it's a it's a joy to talk about it with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's just, you know, you see the Thrivent shirts all the time of just the live generously. And, you know, I think I think if we... Now, now here's the thing: is this this might be? How do gosh? Because I know a lot of Wells people listen to this, and I'm gonna say something. Say it. Well, I just feel I feel like sometimes a cultural problem with Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran synods is depending too much on the generosity of others, and I have experienced that so often as a photographer providing a service, and. I have seen it um, at MLC and at SEM where guys may complain that their church didn't give them enough money. And then I just think, what, what freaking other college or would your church give you money to go to? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's stuff yeah. like that. It's, it's, um, I, I, have, I have experienced it, and I'm not saying it is all-encompassing. I'm not saying that every Wells person is like this. I'm not even saying it's a stereotype. I'm just saying what I have experienced, and I have been a, a lifelong Wells member, but I have just seen, I have seen people rely too much on the generosity of others, and in fact, expecting too much of other people. But if we can live in a way where we all are generous, and this isn't a new idea, of course, but like where we are all generous, where, where you hire that speaker and you, and that speaker, if he, if he could live in a way where he's like, you know what, I, because this is something I care about, I'm going to charge less. And you can live in a way where I'm going to overpay this guy. You know what I mean? Like if we all did this and we could all be generous, then that's the ultimate pay it forward, you know? But of course, that's not how, that's not how things go. But I would, I, and that's, you know, I think that is the, that is an ultimate thing that I have learned um, from my dad. I am going to give my father, Dan Wallander, a huge shout out because anyone who knows him and and I know some people are going to be listening to this who know me and know my dad and know how generous he is and how much he loves and cares about other people's well-being over him. Now he won't talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it right now. Is like I have seen this man be incredibly generous towards people, and I have seen people take from him like horribly. And 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 seeing how he handles that is so amazing to me. And and I I love I love how growing up people always wanted to come to my house why because my parents were nice like and my parents gave and gave and gave and eventually that comes to the point where now like my friends give back to my parents and you know come over and like my like i have friends who will i mean heck they're even even you would go sit in the living room with my parents even when even when none of the kids are around you know like there's just yeah. stu- there's stuff like that and and if we can live like that live with that kind of generosity and that kind of love and care for other people and the ultimately putting other people first the, the, you know I would love to say the world would be a much better place I don't know but like if we can just do that then I think Christ's love is being made complete when we show love like that to one another I think of I think of um in Mark, I believe, yeah, in Mark, where where Jesus looks at his disciples, they says, "Let's go to a quiet place, um, just by ourselves, and let's get some rest." But the people come around, and Jesus is generous with his time again. And you know, and and you and like you said, know your worth, and you don't want to burn yourself out because at some point you may burn yourself out to the point where you're not serving other people; you're just making things worse. But 
if we can all just have that generosity, then I truly think that Christ's love is made complete, not just with money, but with time, with talents, with support, and sometimes with just being around. If you are just around and that's all that person needs and you are generous with how much you are around, then Christ's love is made complete. Absolutely. Well, and and you think about who is the archetype for the New Testament pastor in Scripture? The Apostle Paul. (laughs) The Apostle Paul. And Paul spent 18 months making tents in Corinth, I think, making, or maybe it wasn't Corinth, maybe it was Ephesus, whatever. In one, in one of these cities, he spent 18 months making tents and preaching on the side so that he might not be in any way a burden on the people he was teaching. And then took an offering of a very sizable sum where he was even praising them and saying like, Oh my, like, are you, you know, like, wow, you have been generous. Right. Right. And he takes, he doesn't take a penny of it for himself. He doesn't even, while he's taking the offering, he asks them to then fund his trip because he won't even take from the offering to pay for his own travels. Right. After he spent 18 months paying his own way. And, and so I don't, I, you said uh, uh, an issue in, in well circles, and uh, I've been blessed enough to have spent time around quote unquote call workers. I don't know what they call them, who are not wells quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I can tell you with certainty, it's not a wells problem, it's just a people who serve God problem across the world. And you, you look at the, the mega pastors who are buying private jets, and you look at, you know, like, um, you know, the pastor who lives in a, this happens all the time. You know, the pastor who's, who has a congregation of, you know, 250 people and that somehow is driving a Lexus, you know, like all that kind of stuff goes on. And it's a huge issue in the black community. I've seen it over and over again, where the pastor is wearing a $1,500 suit and the people in the congregation are dirt poor, you know, like it. So this isn't a, 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 a Wells issue. This is a church issue where you, it's exactly what you're saying is, I mean, I'm going to double down on it because it's scriptural the idea that you must be supported and that you can demand support um, beyond what is a the living of the people you serve is not only nonsense, it is straight up sinful. Oh, it ought that's to garbage, be condemned yeah. anytime it crops its head up, it ought to be condemned as the sin, sin that it is. And I will double down on that for my life. And if you ever see me behaving that way, you whack me across the back of the head with a two by four, man. We need to have a wake up call. Right. Um, Amen. And, and, and so what, like what, this is what I hear you saying is people complaining about, you know, I don't get enough money for this or like, I mean, I see it all the time called workers who live in expectation of being given to by others, man. I dude, just in my personal experience and not to build myself up as something here, but it, like, I, this is the first time, like this month, the month of July, 2021, will be the first time in the history of the Gird Up podcast where it will have completely paid for itself, where Holy I don't have cow. to put a single penny of my money into the podcast. That, like, to me, I believe that's an example of exactly how you should be do- approaching life, and both because... I had to cut my teeth and 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 become the man that ought that ought to have a podcast with a platform like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also because I was so foolish with my with my uh, time and with my money and all those things that I don't think I could have handled it earlier. And so I put it back on me. Uh, the Lord hasn't blessed me the way I hope He would bless me um, in this endeavor because I wasn't ready for it, and I. I having prayed on it a lot, I directly see a uh, a correlation between my depth of faith and understanding of who I really am in the grand scheme of things and the blessings he's given me. I at one point had literally 10 times as many people listen to the podcast as I do now. And I'm sure we'll get back there if I stay consistent, like the Lord again will bless that. And it didn't pay for itself then, but it's paying for itself now. And the shift and the difference has been, I'm no longer trying to serve me. I'm just trying to serve the men around me and bring praise to Jesus. And when you do that, man, 
the Lord will say, okay, he's not good. I'm not saying he's going to give you money, but he's going to bless your effort, whatever way mm-hmm. that might be. And uh, one of the ways he's blessed me is giving me a job where I can earn tips so I don't have to pay taxes on them. And I can pour beer for the praise of my heavenly father. Like I pour beer so well in Jesus name. (laughs) (laughs) Like That's real. That's real. And we can't expect anything else because he hasn't promised us anything else. Right. Yes. Amen. All right, dude. We did not talk about any of the things we said we were going to talk about, and that's okay because this conversation is way better. Again, praise God because we needed to have this conversation. I don't even know we needed to have this conversation, but we did. I also forgot to pray at the beginning, but, um, you know, <laughs> I think the Lord has guided this conversation absolutely. Um, right. as, we, as we head out here, I know you've answered this question before, um, but and I, I honestly, I'm not even sure I like this conver- this question anymore. But if you go back and talk to no, let's not say go talk to your 18-year-old your self. If you could talk to a group of young men for five minutes, um, a group of young men who love Jesus for five minutes and uh, give them one message, what would that message be? Jesus loves you. That would be the only thing that if, that was the, if I could give them one message, it would just be that Jesus loves you because nothing, no motivation no true good motivation can come from anywhere else except from that knowledge that Jesus loves you. And no matter how much you love him, he's going to love you more. No matter what you go through, he's going to still love you. No matter whether you are you are on fire for him or you are completely away from him, he still loves you and still cares about you. And I think reminding young men that they are loved, not just by each other, but by their heavenly father and by their heavenly brother, Jesus, reminding them that they are loved and that they are cherished and that they are cared for and that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that God did the most amazing thing by pulling them out of the darkness and bringing them into the light. I think that's what young men need to hear more often than you need to be strong. They need to hear how strong their God is and how strong his love for them is. Amen. That is who you are. That is who you are, right? This is, that's what Jesus says. This is who you are. You are one who is loved by me. Now go do likewise. That's what he right. says. That's <laughs> right. as simple as it gets. Awesome. All right. Last one again. You've, 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 uh, dude, that's such a great answer. You got me on fire now. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I got to go do laundry today. Like that's my, that's my to-do list is do laundry and clean the house. And I just, I just want to go shout from the street corners instead. Anyway, <laughs> I would just annoy my neighbors. I don't, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so the, I know you've answered this one before, but I love hearing uh, answers to this question. Uh, what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? Uh, I think I'll probably give the same answer I gave uh, in the past is, you know, then, um, now, I think this is John, where a group of Greeks come up to uh, um, the disciple Philip, and they say, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip takes them to see Jesus. And I would say being a Christian man is being like Philip. You take people to see Jesus, and you show people the word. And whether you do that through your actions, whether you do that through um, how you treat people, whether it's you just do that not even by by talking to people, but just by the people being able to look at you. If you can be Philip and take people to see Jesus, then you're being a Christian man. Okay, dude. A few years ago, my my home congregation did a uh, VBS where um, just on the back of the T-shirts, it, all it said on the back of the t-shirts was like up at the top of the shirt. You know how I like get at stores. It'll say like, ask me for help or ask me, I can help or whatever. Yeah. Instead of that, it just said, follow me. And their whole message for the whole VBS was. I am leading people to Jesus. Everything I do, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what the task, no matter who you are, follow me. I'll lead you to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And. A, a year after that, I was reading um, Stephen Ambrose's um, Band of Brothers and the 101st. So this is the, what the Band of Brothers TV series and everything was was based off of. 
Uh, yep, the yep. most decorated unit in the entirety of World War II. Um, mm-hmm. Their unit slogan was follow me. Every man is a leader. So every man can say, follow me. And mm-hmm. dude, that's, I, I don't know. Like I want to get follow me. This isn't actual real, actually real. I'm joking, but I love to get follow me tattooed on the back of my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and just that should be life. Follow me. Follow mm-hmm. me. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be obnoxious. You don't need to be standing on a street corner with a megaphone. You don't have to be, you know, I, I'm all for wearing, you were talking about this at the beginning. I'm all for wearing Jesus t-shirts. Heck, I want to, right now I'm working on starting a nonprofit where we make Jesus t-shirts and fun charity with them. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I love it. I'm all for it. But when people watch you walk, they should know where you're going and what you're about, or at least have an idea that it's different. And if they follow you, they will ultimately follow you to the cross. If they follow you, there's nowhere else you will lead them but there. And if you can live that way, man, and that's exactly what I hear you saying when you hear Philip and Nathaniel, and Philip says, come on, man, follow me. And then when he meets Jesus, Jesus puts his arm around Philip, looks at Nathaniel and says, follow me. And, oh, mm-hmm. man, that's mm-hmm. what it's all about, bro. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be loud and obnoxious and crazy. If you want to be loud and obnoxious for crazy for, and crazy for Jesus, oh, blessed. But what he asks you to do is just follow and let other people follow with you. Awesome, mm-hmm. man. A true, yeah, a true Christian man. A true Christian man knows that he's not Jesus, but he knows where to take people to Jesus. Yep, I know where to find him. I love mm-hmm. it, bro. Ah, oh, dude, it's so good to talk to you. Glad to have you on the show. Thanks for blessing us with your oh, time. Yeah, um, thank you, Charlie. And, this is always a pleasure, man. Uh, and God's blessings as you as you move forward. Say hi to Kelly for me, all that good stuff. Um, if you want to, oh, will do. If you want to follow Jeremiah, Jeremiah, where can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mostly. Um, I think my only public page that I have now is my business page. That's Jer the photographer, but I still. Uh, post stuff about myself there every once in a while. So that's where you can find me and that's where I'm most active as well. Awesome. I'll make sure I link that below. Um, a link to our sponsor, Brigadier General Beard Oils and Supplements will be down in the com or down in the uh, so, uh, oh boy, what's that called? That text box below, whatever it is. And uh, then we'll have all the grid up links down below as well. Jeremiah, blessings, man. Love you. Glad to have you. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Oh. Thank you so much, Charlie. Love you too, dude. Fellas, go be the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching you how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always, we'll be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.